Let me start this morning by sharing a very important principle from two of the best trainers in the world. I got to work with both these individuals. The first one, Clinton Anderson, one of the best horse trainers in the world. He teaches something very important about when you're training a horse. Horses can read your emotions and body language, so they sense if you're frustrated or upset. If they sense that, you'll get bit or kicked. But if you're confident and you're calm, they're going to listen to you. Clinton Anderson shares that if you can move the horse's feet, it's going to know that you are the leader. So if you stand with that confidence in front of the horse, it'll take a step back. If you're not confident and you're upset or frustrated or intimidated, it's not going to move and it's going to believe that it's the one that's in charge. Hold on to that thought as we think about something from Caesar Milan, one of the best dog trainers in the world. You know, in our culture, a lot of people think that you train a dog by yelling no, or maybe just get loud in general and clap your hands, or you take a newspaper and you roll it up and you smack the table with it to get them to listen if they're not listening. That type of uh, aggression and noise puts more energy into a dog that's already frustrated or not listening, and it's going to cause more of that. And Cedar Milan shared that if you have, instead of that loud but rather just a calm, assertive energy, and you project that towards the dog, just quietly with maybe a couple hand signals, it's going to listen because it sees that calm confidence that you have. And as Cesar Milan shares, assertive does not mean angry or aggressive. Calm assertive, though, means you're always compassionate, but quietly in control. In both these types of training, it's about your confidence that is a quiet strength that is seen by those around now stop and think about our culture what things are happening now there's a lot of noise chaos destruction loud voices arguing but what does jesus talk about when we are in him then there's that perfect peace that same calm assertive confident strength hold on to that thought as we look at first kings chapter six verse seven Temple of Solomon is being built here in this chapter, and we're told one thing here in chapter 6, verse 7, that says, While the temple was being built, no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple. Think about this. The temple construction there in Jerusalem, it was silent. It was silent in one sense because there was a reverence. But it was a silence that's being painted here because we have to understand everything that was described about Solomon's temple is a metaphor about your life and my life because we are now the temple of God. And as there was silence in the temple as it's being built, there's a metaphor there for us spiritually that there ought to be that same sense of quiet strength in us as well, a confidence that God is the one in control, that he is the one building the temple. And in the world, there's the chaos and the noise and are you fighting? But in us, there's that storm has been calmed and there's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Ed Ray says it though like this, there are people in life for whom everything is a crisis. They live from one explosion to the next. Perhaps it's the word quiet that exposes their problem. The lack of it leads to constant upheavals. It's not about not talking. It's not about there's no progress. We're going to see that in that quietness, that temple was completed, that quiet, confident strength, there was progress on a massive scale. It should be in our life as well. But when you have that quiet strength, 
Just like when you look at Clinton Anderson, he talks about the horses, they'll take a step back. When we have that same quiet strength in Christ, the enemy who tries to cause the upheavals, he takes a step back because he sees that we know that we know that we know who we are in Christ. You know, Alexander McLaren a hundred years ago said, destructive work is noisy. Constructive work is silent. When you have that inner peace that you know who you are in Christ, the enemy knows that. He steps back. Others around you can sense it and they can draw strength from your strength. Loud, chaotic, destructive things versus who we are in Christ, that peace, confidence. Let me give an example of that. Baronel Stutzman, this is about three years ago, she shared something took place in her life where the chaos tried to interrupt her faith. See how she responded. I'll just read her words. Baronel Stutzman shared, I am a florist and I refuse to do flowers for my gay friend's wedding. Notice clearly, she states they had been friends. They'd actually been friends for years. She goes on to say, when he asked me, I took his hands and said, I'm sorry, I can't do your wedding because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. She then gave this friend three names of florist who could help. Here comes the enemy comes in like a flood that we're told, the disruption that tries to come in, but we don't have to be disrupted. First thing that happened, she was sued by the Washington State Attorney General because he didn't like her stance for faith. Next, she was sued by her friend, and that lawsuit's been going on now for quite a while, going to different courts, but I like what she shared. However they want to punish me, they can't change my faith. What happens in my business or my life is in God's hands. Having a clear conscience means much more to me than any amount of money or my business. You see, when you have that confidence, knowing that the temple, your life, my life, that spiritual temple, when you know it's being built, you trust that God is the one in control. You know, no noise does not mean that nothing is happening. The work is being completed. The temple was still completed. Progress was being made. It was just done in silence. Bela Sampson says, maybe you can't hear the sound of the hammer or the chisel, but mark it, your future, career, finances, health, children, your family, they're being built by God. Think about couples when they disagree and they want to argue and fight. I love what Priscilla Shearer shares here. Some advice for couples and really listen to what she shares. I think again about when there's a disagreement, so many people get into rage and argue and got to prove their point and make the other person agree or at least surrender. The enemy enjoys that so much. Priscilla Shearer shares this. The enemy is intent on disrupting your home and he doesn't flinch when you try to force your own fix upon it. But he does start to worry when a believer starts avoiding the noise at the periphery and starts making noise of their own right outside the devil's workshop. I urge you for the sake of your family, take the fight into your prayer room rather than your living room. That's strength in Christ. The temple's being built. The literal temple there in Jerusalem that Solomon had constructed when it was built on Jerusalem, it was silent. And again, it's a metaphor for our spiritual life, everything about the temple, a metaphor for the 
quiet, calm strength. Doesn't mean we don't talk. Doesn't mean we don't take action. It means we take much action, but it's with a confidence, not all the noise and chaos. Think about the temple itself that Solomon had built. You know, there were almost 200,000 people involved in, in the construction. They cut timber miles away from Jerusalem. They cut stone there as well. And then the construction workers, all that was then brought to the site and they could build it and were told that it took seven years to complete the project. But listen to what happens next. First Kings chapter six, verse seven says this, the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone that was finished at the quarry. There was preparation done at a distance. And that way, when they brought all of the wood and the stone to Jerusalem, everything fit perfectly. And each stone fell right into place. So it was all done again in silence. What's the spiritual lesson there? That our life as well, spiritually, like the stones, are being shaped. Shaped for a purpose so that we can be placed into the larger temple, the kingdom of God, and take our place to carry out the purpose he's given to you and to me. You know, sometimes it doesn't feel comfortable when that stone, our life, you know, it's being finished Things are being chipped away. Maybe that is, is, you know, bitterness or sin. But knowing that everything is being done so that everything fits together perfectly in God's plan. That's the picture being painted here. Julius Soyinka shares this. God takes time to prepare a person before he presents them for use. The stones in the text were pre-finished, cut into shapes and sizes to fit a specific position in the temple. Notice the next thing about the temple in verse 38 says the house of the Lord was finished in all detail according to all its plans. Notice the words according to all its plans. You know, God doesn't leave us midway. He perfectly finishes the work that he starts in our life. The enemy, he may have other plans. And again, we see things in our culture, noise and chaos. We're going to look at some things in our culture and down through history So let's take a look here at the opposite of that calm, confident strength in Christ. Let's look at the exact opposite in atheist writers here. And we can look at other examples, but let's look at some atheists here today and some of the outcomes of what that looks like. Again, Christ is calm, quiet, confident. Constructive things are done in quiet. Destructive is what's noisy. Alex Rosenberg, atheist writer, says, what is the purpose of the universe? Quite simply, there is none. Well, let's see how that works out in real life. If you go back to Darwin, the 1800s, he was going to be a minister. He went on the Beagle, traveled around the world, came back. He then started to, to question everything, and he then wrote about his belief in evolution that things change over time. You know, one of the things for Darwin, he never imagined how complicated a simple cell is. He thought it was something very simple. We know today, though, a single fertilized egg contains chemical instructions that would fill 500,000 pages. Think about this. That fertilized egg divides into 30 trillion cells to make up the human body. You have 12 billion brain cells with 120 trillion connections. Perhaps this is why David would say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Or later he'd say, what is man that you're mindful of him? Well, let's look at this idea here. The atheists say there's no purpose in life and see if that's destructive and noisy versus having the awe, understanding that we're called to be this masterpiece that God is putting together in our life. What's the outcome, though, of things like atheism, destructive things? You know, there's something strange in our culture. People wear on their T-shirts a picture of Che Guevara. And a lot of people in Hollywood do it. And it's kind of like this cool, hip thing to do. And they say, well, he was a, a, a rebellious person or revolutionary. And so they paint him like he's this Robin Hood figure. He died, you know, a number of years back here. But who is Che Guevara? This person at Hollywood, now on college campuses, people are kind of painting as this Robin Hood hero. Well, he was Castro's executioner, is who he was. And he gladly shot people. He murdered, the estimate is, 105 people himself. And we're talking men, women, and children. He loved when families would plead for mercy and maybe he'd then shoot one of the members to be sure that the ones that survived would suffer with that memory. He talked gleefully about what joy he would have if he was able to send missiles into U.S. citizens, U.S. cities and destroy the citizens living there. Yet this is what people in some of the media places put on their T-shirts. The result of atheism, in Cuba, destructive. Let's look at another example. China, 1949, when Mao came into power. What does it look like? His belief, atheist, life has no purpose, therefore life has no meaning, and he gladly took millions of lives. 1949, he called it the Great Leap Forward. He had a goal to increase steel production. So these small furnaces were built throughout the country to melt down different items that people were supposed to turn in to make steel. So people had to go to their houses and take their pans, shovels, knives, forks, their doorknobs, throw them into these furnaces to be melted down because he said so. But then there was not enough wood to keep the furnaces going to melt the steel. So then people had to go back to their houses, grab their furniture, tables, their chairs, their doors, to use to fire up these furnaces. This man was sadistic and evil, and he believed no life mattered. So many people were forced to work then on the furnaces. They left the farms, and the food on the farms spoiled. Massive famine. 45 million people died. Anybody who questioned the insanity of what Mao did was shot on sight. Again, destructive things are noisy. Constructive things, there's quietness, confidence in Christ. Cambodia, 1975, Pol Pot came into power, another atheist. He did something very silly, nobody recognized but him, but he declared 1975 year one. People were forced out of the cities to live in the country, He abolished schools, churches, money, transportation. One of the stranger things, you were not allowed to show any emotion in public. If you were with your family, you were forbidden to show affection. You couldn't laugh. You couldn't smile. You also couldn't mourn in public. 
Why? Because he wanted everybody to be so consumed with him that you had no emotion for anybody else. Your devotion was so strong, you only had feelings for him. A lot of people then went to prison because they showed affection and somebody else reported that. He executed and starved people. How many died? Three million. Destructive things are noisy. Constructive things, when you have that strong confidence, knowing that there's silence in the temple because we trust what God is doing, the enemy takes a step back. You know, the founding fathers had a belief in the value of human life. That's why John Adams, the second president, said our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern any other. They understood that we all have to believe that life, liberty, human rights, they're given by the Creator. Because of that, everybody has value and purpose to be quarried like the stones and placed into the temple, but we have to then surrender to that process and trust it. Think about this in our culture. There's probably people of, you know, Democrats, independents, Republicans that, you know, here Sunday morning or listen online, and that's a personal choice. But here's a study that was done to ask people, do you believe or trust mainstream media news? Democrats, 51% trust mainstream media news. Independents, it drops down to 30%. Republicans that trust mainstream media news, it drops down all the way to only 14%. It's like Pilate again saying to Christ, what is truth? That's what people ask today. They've seen so many lies and been deceived that they say, who can you even trust? Perhaps a song here so important to maybe think about this Ruth K. Jones she wrote in times like these and she wrote this during World War II here's the lyrics in times like these you need a savior in times like these you need an anchor be very sure be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock this rock is Jesus he's the one be very sure be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock you know, Tom Landry, former Dallas Cowboys coach, had said this, the job of a coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. His point is that daily discipline matters and doing the hard stuff, even if you don't feel like it, regardless of what everybody else does, there's a payoff for that. And the same thing is true in the spiritual life. You know, we need to do some things that maybe are uncomfortable or we don't want to do, knowing that they bring glory to Christ and they're shaping us to be the stones that we're meant to be so we can be fitted into the temple, be used for the purpose for which we were called. One more verse as we close here, Exodus 14, 14. This is when Moses is leading the children of Israel. They're at the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is approaching. People begin to panic. He's not yet put the rod into the sea to part the waters. What does he say? The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Silent. When we're in that inner strength, that confidence inside, that confidence that says, you know what? Destructive work is noisy. Constructive work, though, is silent. And just like that strength that Clinton Anderson, Cesar Milan talk about, 
you know, when you have that confidence, it shows, and, and the enemy, they tape us, they will take a step back and know that you know that you know who you are in Christ. When you begin to stop taking your fights into the living room, choose to take them instead into the prayer room. You know, I don't know much about golf. I do know about photography, though. And one of the more famous photographs in sports history is of Ben Hogan. And he's on the course in Marion. And the picture of him is after he has swung and the club is up over his shoulder as he's watching a perfect shot he just took. A lot of people have that picture on their wall with an inspirational quote couple reasons for that one Ben Hogan took that shot on the 18th hole he won that tournament but he took the shot with a one iron the hardest club to use a lot of people don't even carry one and the other reason that photo is so popular and inspiring that was in 1950 well one year before in 1949 Ben Hogan and his wife they were driving to their new home they hadn't even walked inside yet he was at the height of his golf career and he saw a bus lose control crossing the median he immediately let go of the steering wheel leaned over and grabbed his wife to place his body between her and the dash the bus smashed into their car she walked away uninjured ben hogan though he was badly injured, broke ribs, his hip, his collarbone, his ankle. The pain was so bad he passed out. They weren't sure he was going to live. He was a month in a hospital bed. It was touch and go. And then he survived that month. And the next month, he was into his second month in bed. They said, you'll never walk again. Destructive things are noisy. When you have that quiet, confident faith, you know that you know that you know. Ben Hogan proved the doctors wrong and over the next 10 months worked to strengthen his body. And when he walked out onto that golf course, it was not without pain. He struggled with pain still, but he got to the 18th hole and to show anything's possible, he used the hardest club and took a perfect shot. He was asked by reporters, how did you do that? Here's his response. I didn't hit that shot then, that late afternoon in Marion. I've been practicing that shot since I was 12 years old. It was about daily being shaped like the stones to be placed into the temple for the purpose for which you and I are given. And when we trust that process with that confidence inside, we know that he that is faithful, he will complete the process in you and in me. Paul Bart, Swiss theologian, Princeton University was asked by a student, sir, don't you think that God has revealed himself in other religions, not only in Christianity? And Karl Barth replied, no. God has not revealed himself in any religion, including Christianity. He has revealed himself in his son. And when you and I know that son is our life, 
We have an inner strength that makes the enemy step back. 